Our cases here at Rocky Mountain Red-Handed involve physical, mental, and emotional trauma. Please listen with caution and care. Reach out to 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, if you or someone you love needs help. No one is alone. Just a quick reminder to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. RMRH Podcast on Twitter. Check out our social medias. We post case notes, pictures, discussion topics, and all things true crime. We want to stay connected with you. Also, send us your case suggestions. We cover true crime cases from the Rocky Mountain region. You can reach us at RockyMountainRedHanded at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your platform of choice. Thanks for being a part of Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. The Rocky Mountains hold many mysteries. Millions of people enjoy the natural beauty, but some come across the hidden dangers. This is Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. I'm Melanie, here with my dear friend Becky. The stories we share are remembered by some, but forgotten by many. Let's dive in to Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. Hello, Becky. How are you? I am great, Melanie, and I am so excited to finish telling this crazy story. Yeah, we're excited. So we're just going to jump jump right into it, and we appreciate you all being back today to hear this second part. This is part two of our Lies for Lori episode about Lori Soares. She disappeared from Salt Lake City, Utah in 2004. Yeah, I'm sure we've posted pictures, but she was just beautiful, pregnant, and right now she's missing. So we'll get right into it. If you haven't listened to the first episode or you want to just refresh your mind, go back and listen to last week's episode. So last week we left off with the police locating a mattress in a dumpster at an LDS church not far from the hacking apartment. The mattress had been cut. Do you remember, Mel? Um, Yes. The top portion of the mattress, the part that you would like sleep on, was almost flayed off so weird it's so just not normal bizarre especially because the cuts were made jaggedly roughly tearing at the fabric yeah what would be the reason to do that i've never seen a mattress flayed like that that's not how i throw away my mattresses Mm -hmm. so the top of the mattress was not there with the rest of the mattress it was just missing the cut was jagged and forced along the material. Authorities took the mattress in for processing along with the bloody knife they had found in the drawer. Meanwhile, Lori's family and friends and residents of Salt Lake were forming search parties. I remember this because I lived in Salt Lake at the time. I remember this all happening. Um, I remember people being out arranging search parties and searching for Lori. Yeah, I remember? I remember seeing Mark on the news and just feeling so bad so 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 bad for him yes so you know remember this is just two years after elizabeth smart was kidnapped we did not want another victim missing in salt lake valley it's it's a big area but we take care of each other in the salt lake valley i i remember with elizabeth missing everyone was just 
concerned about her. There were missing posters everywhere. Yeah, do you remember Mel? Mm-hmm. I do. The police were holding back what they had learned that day. So Lori's family stood by Hacking's side and comforted him. The police started to process Lori's car. Remember, it was abandoned at Memory Grove. The mirrors and seat were adjusted for a much larger person. Remember, Lori was just 5'4 and 115 pounds. So there was no way that Lori could have even touched the pedals. In the backseat of her car, the investigators found small traces of blood. They sent samples of this blood into the lab for testing. So the mattress, carpet, car, and knife were all sent to the lab. The first results received back were from the mattress. It was linked to Lori. They knew that more than likely Lori was deceased. They weren't looking for a lost or kidnapped jogger anymore. Police interviewed Lori's co-workers and heard all about the phone call that was so upsetting to Lori just a few days before she disappeared. The detectives contacted the University of North Carolina and found out the story behind the upsetting phone call. So UNC called Lori the day of her disappearance to return a phone call she had previously made and you know, answer some questions that Lori had. Lori called UNC about the possibility for, you know, financial aid, housing options, all the stuff you do before you move for school um, in prep for their move across the country. Yeah. So if you remember back, they were supposed to be moving across the country to go to school for her husband. Med school. He was going to be an oncologist. Yes. Mm -hmm. When her phone call was returned by UNC, Lori was given the news that Mark was actually not even enrolled at UNC, nor did he even apply to the school. Yeah, UNC had never even heard of Mark hacking. Big red flag. Exactly. Lori had no idea that Mark had lied about their future. It was a complete shock. Her life was literally crumbling around her that day. Mark had never even earned his bachelor's degree at the University of Utah. In fact, he had quit attending the University of Utah Three years before Lori's disappearance. When this news came out, I remember a lot of people saying, like, how did did Lori not know that he graduated? But, you know, you just, you assume you can trust your husband, right? Yeah, I mean, he said he was going. He probably just left every day and pretended to go. And then this lie just is finally catching up to him. Well, and a lot of people don't walk for college. So he probably just said, no, I don't want to walk. And she just assumed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. I wonder what he did to keep this like going for so many years. Was he like studying at home, writing papers? Because he could leave and be gone for a while, but then it would be weird for him to come home and not be doing any of that stuff unless he said he was at the library, maybe. Well, and especially because he's saying that he's studying for the MCATs. Yeah. The MCATs are a big deal. It's a full-time studying gig. So it's just, you know, in the interviews, applying for med school is not a simple process. So I don't know what Mark Hacking's long-term plan was. I'm thinking he didn't have one. Yeah, and then this just kind of caught up with him and he didn't know what else to do. Yeah, you just can't lie forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he was lying about being enrolled at University of Utah, he would leave for quote-unquote class and wait for Lori to leave for class or for work. Um, After he would see her leave, he would return to the apartment, and apparently he played video games all day long. He had friends who would spend time with him during the day that were completely separate from the rest of his life. Hacking would drink alcohol and smoke around these friends, but he never told Lori about these habits. So he literally has like a double life going on. 
So at the same time he is spending his days on his gaming devices, he would talk to his other friends, his friends with Lori and family about his courses, assignments, upcoming classes, exams, and they all said he was so specific about the details. The amount of effort he's putting into faking school, he could have just gone to school. Don't you think just put in the effort to go to school rather than the effort to lie? It seems crazy. Lori was completely in the dark about her husband's double life. So let's just jump back to the night of the disappearance. So later that night, about 2 a.m., Salt Lake Police Dispatch received calls, several calls, regarding an incident outside the Chase Suite Hotel at 765 East 4th South in downtown Salt Lake. Reportedly, a white male who was tall with light-colored hair was running through the streets completely naked except for a pair of shoes, ranting and acting erratically. The dispatch operator noticed that this incident was just a half a mile from the hacking apartment. So she contacted Detective Kent and Detective West and told them the description sounded a lot like their friend, Mark Hacking. So the detectives went straight to the scene and yes, it was Mark Hacking. And he was hysterical. So except for sandals on his feet, he was completely nude. He was causing a huge scene and asked the detectives to take him in for a mental evaluation. So Mel, thoughts? Is it real? Is it fake? What's going on here? I mean, it may just be me, but it seems odd that if you're really having a complete meltdown to like have the mental capacity to be able to request a mental evaluation seems strange to me. Exactly. Like to request a mental evaluation, we have to think too, is he's familiar with the mental health industry. Right. Yeah. And um, the sandals on his feet to me seem curious. Don't you think? Yeah, he, he was aware enough to wear shoes. Mm-hmm. So let's just take a quick second now and we will hear a word from our sponsors. Rocky Mountain Red Handed is brought to you by Balance of Nature. I love my Balance of Nature. I take it every morning and it makes me feel so good. I do not like to eat vegetables, so I take my Balance of Nature to be able to get in the nutrients that I need. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code REDHANDED for 35% off your first order. We call it three and three. I take my three capsules of veggies, three capsules of fruits, and it gives me all I need. So that's Balance of Nature, promo code REDHANDED. A big thank you to our sponsors. We love you. So now back to our story. Hacking has been seen running around downtown Salt Lake and has requested a mental evaluation. Detective Kent felt as if this was a manipulative move, but nevertheless, he was taken directly to a hospital for the requested evaluation. So at the hospital, Hacking's family was by his side. They thought that his mental breakdown was due to the stress and worry over Lori. After a few days in the hospital on July 24th, the investigators shared what they had found out about the details of Hacking's daily life and the lies that he had been living. The family was completely shocked by this. And side note, I have a couple different ties to the Hacking family. I don't know them personally, but I know people who know them. And everyone I've talked to have said that they are an amazing family, that they are really good people. And I was talking to a friend this morning and she said they were they were such a like service oriented family. They gave to their community. They were really good. So I just want to make make that note that he came from a very good family. 
So Hacking's brother and father went to his room at the for the mental evaluation and wanted answers for the questions they had. I'm sure they had a lot of questions. With his brother surrounding him, he confessed something that he hadn't told anyone else. The night before Lori disappeared, he and Lori had gotten into a big fight about the lies that he had been telling her. Remember, she had just found out that her husband had not been accepted or even applied to medical school at the University of North Carolina, nor did he graduate from the University of Utah. After the fight had run its course, Lori, probably tired and fed up, went to bed alone. Hacking said he was so upset about her finding out about his lies that he took his rifle and went into the bedroom. Encircled by his family, Hacking confessed to them that he shot Lori while she was asleep in their bed. Mark's brothers and father were stunned by this revelation. Like, we all we all know that this is crazy, but the idea of shooting your pregnant wife while she slept, like, how, how do you get to that place? Yeah, he had just, I feel like he'd just gotten so caught up in all of these lies. It was the only way out for him, but clearly it. Get a divorce. Get a divorce, <laughs> Get <dude>. a divorce. <laughs> Don't kill your wife. The family told Hacking that he must go immediately to the police and turn himself in to tell the truth to the authorities and confess to them this unthinkable act. That same evening, the detectives met with Lori's family and shared some of the details of their investigation. That night, the man that that family loved so much and admired, the man that they had trusted their sweet Lori to, that man was shattered into a million pieces. He was gone. They had just discovered a small portion of the deception that he was capable of, and the possibility entered into their minds that he could have hurt his wife and child. The family really struggled to make sense of this news, as would anybody, I think. Definitely. So Thelma Soros, Lori's mom, she just couldn't wrap her head around it. She had helped him revise an extensive term paper he had written for a class, dozens and dozens of pages long that they had sat and he had written. They had sat together at her kitchen table and revised the work. I mean, the amount of work he's putting into these lies is just incredible. Yeah, if you're already doing the assignment, then just go to school and get just credit for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her son-in-law had asked her to store his textbooks, those expensive, huge textbooks in her garage for him. And he wasn't even enrolled in school. He's buying textbooks for classes he wasn't even taking. He's studying for tests that didn't exist in his life. I, it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Lori's older brother, Paul Soares, recalled the extensive preparations Hacking had worked so hard on for medical school. Paul had talked to his cousin in New York City after Hacking had flown out and stayed with him in Manhattan so he could interview at the prestigious Columbia Medical School. So the day before his interview, the kind cousin had driven hacking by Columbia Medical School in New York City, so he would know where to go the next morning. Paul was told by his cousin, hacking awoke early in the morning and put on a brand new suit in preparation for the interview. The costs that are stacking up on this family for this fake medical school is incredible. Yeah. He left for the interview and returned hours later. He sat with his wife's cousin and shared details of the interview and called home and reported the success of the trip. While Mark Hacking lay in the hospital recouping from his naked public meltdown, the homicide unit continued to dig into Hacking's life. Lori was working and supporting the couple financially, 
but now and then, Hacking did pick up a few overnight shifts at the University of Utah Neuropsychiatric Institute. So the detectives decided to see if Hacking had made any stops at the dumpsters at his place of work. Remember, the missing tattered mattress was found in his LDS church dumpster. So why not check another familiar dumpster? The dumpsters had already been picked up and disposed of at the Salt Lake County landfill, so they decided to look through the security camera footage surrounding the facility. The Institute had 16 dumpsters, and all were fully covered by their security systems. These dedicated officers sat for hours and hours reviewing security footage tapes. Yeah, they sat through hours and hours of footage of nothing. Finally, they saw a man appear next to one of the mini dumpsters. He was carrying what looked like a body and discarding it over the edge of the dumpster. After the body was disposed of in the dumpster, the man threw a rifle into the same trash bin. This was captured on video at night, so the quality wasn't as good due to low light. We all know what that does to mm -hmm. cameras. But it was good enough that detectives knew what they were seeing unfold. Detectives were positive the man in the video was Mark Hacking, and they had just seen him throw away his wife and unborn child. Another security camera located at the Memory Grove parking lot was able to answer a few questions regarding Lori's car. Had she driven it herself or had someone else? Remember, the seat had been pushed back for a much larger driver, and the mirrors had been adjusted to the point that Lori wouldn't have been able to even use the mirrors. Lori was just 5 foot 4 inches tall, and the car was set in a position for a large individual, not someone as short as Lori. Mm -hmm. The security camera captured a man who looked a lot like hacking, driving Lori's car into the parking lot and parking the car where it was later found there at Memory Grove. Yes, so this is definitely a lot of evidence looking very bad for Mark at this point. Yeah, I think I think the lies are catching up to him. Definitely. Unfortunately, the dumpster that held Lori and her baby's body had already been picked up by the time detectives located the dumpster. So now the police focused their efforts at the Salt Lake County landfill. This was a recovery effort. So Hacking's brothers had anxiously awaited a few days to see if Mark would go and talk to the detectives by himself, but Hacking never contacted the Salt Lake Police Department. The Hacking family was brokenhearted. They had waited long enough. They had given their brother more than enough time to come clean and begin down his road of contrition. The Hacking brothers, along with their father, went to the police without Mark and told the authorities what had been confessed. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So let's take a minute and we'll make a little checklist of what evidence the investigators have put together. And there's a lot of evidence. Yeah. So let's start. The blood that was found in the car. The bloody knife found in the nightstand drawer. Let's see, Hacking's brother and father's story of the confession. The mattress found in the church dumpster with the top cut off. The mirrors and the seat adjusted for a much larger person in Lori's car. The mountain of lies discovered by Lori told to her by her husband. See, the receipt for the mattress at the time he said he had been searching for her. Yeah, security footage of the man dumping the body and the rifle. Security footage of the man driving Lori's car at Memory Grove. Man, that, that's a lot of evidence. I don't know if we... Do you think we I missed any? I don't think we missed any, but there's a lot. There's a lot of evidence against Mark. Yep. 
Mark Hacking was placed under arrest and charged with suspicion of the aggravated murder of Lori Hacking at 11 a.m. on August 2nd, 2004. That is just two weeks after Lori's disappearance. Which, awesome. Good job for the SLC Police Department. That's yeah, really good. Absolutely. Hacking's bail was set at $1 million. The police believe that Hacking had shot Lori in the head with his 22 caliber rifle while she slept in their bed on the late evening of Sunday, July 18th, or the early morning hours of Monday, July 19th. Then, investigators believe he loaded her body in her car and transported it to the dumpster behind his workplace. He must have returned home and started the cleanup effort to cover up his crime. We did forget one, Mel. The brand new sheets on the oh, bed, remember? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, did, I wonder if he went and purchased sheets then. There's so another weird. thing. Mm -hmm. So, a memorial was held for Lori... Her mother, Thelma, set up a $12,000 scholarship fund in Lori's name to be given to a woman in Lori's same program at the University of Utah. Oprah Winfrey heard about Lori's murder and added $50,000 to the scholarship. Thelma Soares eventually appeared on the Oprah show and shared Lori's story there. I love Oprah. She's the best. She is the best. Mm -hmm. Mark heard about the scholarship fund and announced he was going to write a book about, quote, what had happened... And that all the proceeds would go to the scholarship fund. This is just so gross to me. Like, he's trying to make himself still look good after all of this evidence, after he's confessed. He sucks. It's so distasteful to involve yourself in that scholarship fund. Yeah. No book was ever released. Shocker. The University of Utah continues to award the Lori Hacking Scholarship annually to at least one student in Lori's program. The scholarship covers the cost of the junior and senior years of study. It's so cool when there's obviously such a tragic thing that happens, but the family's able to at least do something good with mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Lori's mom has reported that the recipients of the scholarship are those who have been able to rise from hardships and who work hard at college. One recipient came from Ukraine and another came from Haiti. After his arrest for suspicion of the aggravated murder and with a little jail time, Hacking officially confessed to Lori's murder. Ever since the footage from the hospital dumpster was discovered, dozens and dozens of officers had worked from sunup to sundown sifting through garbage. The police continued to spend their days at the Salt Lake County landfill. They had acres upon acres of trash to go through by hand. Because they were searching for Lori, they did not use heavy equipment for the search for fear of damaging her remains even further. I mean, bless these officers so much for taking the time to go through all of this trash in the heat of the Salt Lake summer looking for her by hand so mm -hmm. that they could preserve her remains. Salt Lake really does get hot in the summers. I mean, they're 95-ish yeah. in the summer. Yeah. So let's just take a minute for our last break and word from our sponsors. Thank you, Balance of Nature, for sponsoring Rocky Mountain Red Handed. Melanie, I love my Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies contain 31 flash-dried fruits and vegetables. 31. They are specifically selected for their combined effectiveness in strengthening the immune system, cell protection, and DNA repair. The fruit capsules contain 16 different fruits, including aloe vera, apple, banana, blueberry, cherry, cranberry, grape, grapefruit, lemon, mango, orange, papaya, pineapple, raspberry, strawberry, and tomato. 
Well, Melanie, do you need a drink of water after that? That was a long list. Bounce Nature packs so much into their caplets. Now here's the veggies, Mel, and we know you don't like your veggies. The veggies include a blend of 15 different pure whole vegetables. In the capsules, you'll find broccoli, cabbage, carrot, cauliflower, cayenne pepper, celery stalk, garlic, kale, onion, shiitake mushrooms, soybean, spinach, wheatgrass, yam, and zucchini. So go and order today so you can start taking your Balance of Nature vitamins. Go to balanceofnature.com and use code REDHANDED. Or you can use the link in our show notes. That's balanceofnature.com, code REDHANDED. Take your vegetables. A big thank you to our sponsors. So let's get back to our story. These dedicated officers have been searching in the Salt Lake County landfill for Lori and her baby. On October 1st, 2004, just two months after Lori had disappeared, police located Lori's body at the Salt Lake County landfill. A police sergeant participating in the search that day was using his hands to sift through the rotten garbage. Around 8 a.m., he moved a bag of trash and saw some brown hair sticking out of the mounds of waste. Lori's body had spent two hot months at the landfill among the garbage. The reality of where Mark left her and her unborn baby is horrifying to me. They were able to scientifically identify the remains as Lori very quickly after the initial discovery. Initially, the police found some of Lori's body, a portion of her hair, teeth, and a jawbone. More of her body was located around the same area, but they have not been able to recover it all. The police have never recovered the murder weapon. Lori was laid to rest in Orem City Cemetery on October 9, 2004. We have posted a picture of Lori's father, Araldo Sores, leaning over and kissing his daughter's casket. It's a heartbreaking, Mel. So sad. Lori lived such a full life in her short time. She accomplished so much and touched so many lives. She really did. Such an impact on the people lucky enough to be her friends and family. During Mark Hacking's arraignment on October 30th, 2004, Mark Hacking pleaded not guilty despite his confession. His defense wanted to try and prove that he was not mentally competent to stand trial. Like This is not a surprise move because we know he's, you know, selfish and narcissistic, but I just, I can't imagine how difficult that was for Lori's family. Apparently about 10 years before Lori's murder, Hacking sustained a head injury due to falling off a roof during a construction job. His defense was hoping to positively identify an existing trauma that could explain his horrific actions. This legal tactic ended up not carrying any weight. So in April of 2005, Mark Hacking stood in front of a judge at the 3rd District Court and without any emotion or tears, pleaded guilty to murdering Lori Soares Hacking. I'm so glad they did not have to sit through a trial. He confessed to shooting his pregnant wife in the head while she slept on July 19, 2004. By doing so, Hacking was spared the death penalty. The Soros family had the opportunity to address Hacking at his sentencing hearing. We posted a picture of Thelma, who is Lori's mother, addressing Hacking during the sentence. So now, Mel, my family has a weird little connection to this case. My sister Courtney went to high school at Orem High along with Mark. She was friends with Mark Hacking. That's so crazy. I know. So I thought it would be interesting to like talk to her about it. We, of course, talked about it over the years. 
but yeah, they like have dance pictures. They like were in the same homecoming and junior prom groups. Can you believe that? What did she say about him? Was he like a nice guy? Yeah, she said he was so nice and everyone loved his family, his brothers, but like he was super funny and outgoing and he made every, she said everything was more fun with him around. Um, she, she said it was definitely weird because this is a strange coincidence at the same time of these months where they, between Lori's disappearance and locating her body, she had her 20 year high school reunion. And so walking up to her high school reunion, there were multiple television camera crews. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And reporters were stopping the people who were attending the reunion and wanting stories about Mark Hacking. Oh, I'm sure. And were people giving stories? Yeah. People were so talking. Crazy. Yeah. Courtney talked to a reporter. But yeah, so it was it was just so crazy because he was such a good guy. She didn't know Lori. Lori was younger. But yeah, she went to school and was good friends with Mark Hacking. Wow. That's such like some interesting perspective onto how he, how he was. You think about these people who can commit murders and you don't assume that they're like nice in high school and friendly. You just assume they're always just mean. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah. But I was glad though. She did not date him, which I'm very, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So thank you, Courtney, for sharing your high school memories with me. Hacking was sentenced to six years to life in prison, which at the time was the maximum sentence in the state of Utah. This law was changed under Lori's law, which was named after Lori, and the maximum sentence was changed to 15 years to life. Yeah, six years? That's that's pretty weak that's for nothing. murder. Mm-hmm. The authorities assured the public and Lori's family that they do not intend to let him out anytime soon. The Utah Board of Pardons and Parole held a quick hearing for hacking and instructed him that he would not even be considered for parole until 2035. So that's 31 years in prison, and that will be his first time that he is even eligible for parole. Mark's final words to the court were actually quite emotional. He said, I killed her and my unborn child. I put them in the garbage. I can't explain why I did it. I know I wasn't myself that night, but that is no excuse. I am tormented every waking minute for what I have done. I deserve to be in prison, probably the rest of my life. Mark Hacking will be 59 years old when he stands before the parole board in 2035. Lori's family has removed the name Hacking from Lori's headstone. It now reads Lori K. Soares. Lori's mother, Thelma Soares, isn't an angry and bitter woman. She now exchanges letters with her son-in-law. Wow, that's amazing. I wonder what those letters say back and forth. What can they talk about? She's incredible. I like, I can't. She's like such just a good, merciful person. I think she's amazing. Yeah. Thelma also exchanged emails with members of his family. She is quoted saying, they're a wonderful family. They don't come any better than that family and the kids. While being interviewed for the Deseret News for the 10th anniversary of Lori's passing, Thelma is quoted. She says, in a way, it seems like it's been forever because the last time I saw her was on the 4th of July. She and Mark came by. We had dinner here, and we went to the Stadium of Fire. She told the Deseret News from her Orem home. 
So the Stadium of Fire is a huge fireworks show and a concert Reba McIntyre headlined that year. I actually so. danced at the... Did you really? One year when the Beach Boys performed. That was so cool. I Yeah, I actually went to one of the Beach Boys performances. Really? I might have danced for you. <laughs> oh. So, I'm sorry, the quote continues. Then, in a way, it seems like it was the other day. I can't imagine how 10 years has gone by. People say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to get over it. I wanted to slap them because you never get over it. I'm not over it now. I will never get over it. What you get over is the immediacy of it. You get over the shock and the disbelief and all the panic. That desperation you feel when you can't find your child. You get over that as time passes, but you never get over the loss. The one thing I felt relieved about is that when he shot her, she was asleep, said Soares. So she felt no pain whatsoever. She had gone to bed and woke up in heaven. Oh, that's like heart-wrenching. Yeah. Sora said she didn't even realize she had forgiven hacking until she heard the late James E. Faust, a former member of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He gave a talk about the subject. And he is quoted saying, If you've forgiven someone, you still feel anguish, but not anger. You still feel hurt, but not hate. That's exactly how I feel, she said. One of Soros' favorite scriptures is John chapter 14, verse 27. That talks about peace. Quote, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Somehow the Lord gives you peace, Thelma said. My heart was broken, but it was not troubled or afraid. She's so inspiring. And if you look in our case notes for this um, for this episode, you'll see the reference to that article in the Deseret News. You guys sit down and read it. It is so good. She is an incredible example. Yeah, such a strong woman to have gone through this and be able to forgive and have all this strength. Yeah, so this this case is a big one. It's a crazy case with lots of twists and turns. Um, one of the crazy things is around this same time, the Lacey Peterson case was happening. Um, Scott Peterson was convicted in 2004, which was the same year as Lori's death. There are so many similarities between the two cases. Yes, they get tied together a lot because mm -hmm. they're very similar and they happen around the same time. So the takeaway here is really simple, Mel. Don't lie. Don't do it. In fact, Thelma, Lori's mom, had said... Remember, there is no such thing as a white lie. Yeah, it's so true. A lie can start out so small and then it just kind of snowballs into this huge lie. And we can definitely see that this happened for hacking. He started small and just, it just kept going. Mm -hmm. And Mel, just so you know, I'm an absolute terrible liar. I'm the worst liar. I'm so bad at <laughs> So I'll always know if you're lying. Yeah. So one last thing, I researching this uh, episode Detective Kent, Detective Kelly Kent with the Salt Lake PD, she was a hoot. She she is so spunky and just fire. I just love her. I want to dedicate this episode to the memory of Detective Kelly Kent. She passed away after a battle with pancreatic cancer on February 22nd, 2021. So rest in peace. So until next time, keep your hands clean. <laughs>